Welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show, brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante along with Andrew Pichet. And Andy, usually by this time of week, we are ready to put the previous week's game behind us and start looking forward. Not the case this week. I'm not sure we need to say a lot about Indiana coming up this weekend. We're still talking about that Ohio State game because there's just so much there, so much to talk about. And here's where I want to start with you. I want to start with a text message that you sent to me. Actually, you sent this to me on Sunday. And essentially, you said, been trying to think about what Penn State offense looks like this season, and especially on the road. What your thoughts on this, Jim? To me, it looks like a high school offense. You then asked me for my thoughts. Instead, I'm going to ask you for your thoughts, Andy. A high school offense, boy, that's brutal. Well, I didn't mean it in like uh, they don't, you know, they look, they look amateurish. I was a high school offense, even with good players, can look a little disjointed, a little clunky. It'll function well in parts, but it just seems like it's missing all the pieces or everything's not in sync to work well. You've got to sort of cover up this or hide that or not do this or you don't use that. And you've got these assets and you're not able to figure out how to use them. That's what I meant by a high school offense. And I I was trying to figure out how to describe for my Penn State friends and fans and, and to say on here, like, what does this look and feel like to my eyes? And it 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 looks like a Friday night high school offense more than anything else. It doesn't it's not really clearly iterated what the plan is or what they want to do or what they're sort of putting where they're putting a few extra eggs in their basket, what they're sort of riding their coattails on. It's it's based around, well, they have talent here and they have talent there, but they want to try and develop more. It's just, it just looks very disjointed. And there seems to be that the, the biggest high school element I could say that why it stuck out to me was it does not look like it has purpose and a plan with any consistency week to week, particularly on the road. And I even go back to the Illinois game and I look at the Northwestern game and then obviously you throw in Ohio State. That, you know, those are three of the four best teams, you know, three of four quality, you know, FBS teams that Penn State has played and offensively, They've never quite measured up to what their talent level standards sort of say that they are. And I think that's a big deal to figure out for Penn State in the weeks to come. And it starts with Indiana, but it's really important that it that they start to identify it and make it at least, you know, functionally and from a plan from a planning standpoint identify who you are as an offense because they don't have an identity, Jimmy. 
And that's a lot of high school offenses. They don't have a clear-cut identity. They have best players, and they're always going to sort of tailor everything to their best players, but they don't have a real identity sometimes. And for for an FBS, you know, Power 5 conference school at the Big Ten level, ranked top 10 in the country going in, they look like a high school offense against Ohio State. No doubt they looked really bad. And James Franklin, you you said about an identity, and James Franklin stated in his press conference this week essentially that the identity of this offense is getting first downs, marching it down the field, getting those 12 and 15 play type of drives going. And you obviously can't do that when you are one for 16 on third down and that one coming in garbage time, essentially at the, at the end of the game. So where exactly pinpoint for me on this offense I hate to put it this way, but I don't know how else to do it, where the fault lies. And I'm sure it could go in a lot of places, Andy. Well, I start with, I start on the field, right? The quarterback, Drew Aller, his first big game, his first year as a starter, he's not there. He wasn't ready. He didn't perform. I mean, it got worse as the pressure built as the game went on, but even early on, he was missing sort of, you know, the gimme throws. Yes, their, their wide receivers had trouble getting separation. Their wide receiver room has has massive problems. He doesn't have a lot of help around him. But easy, even the ones where he had like a little bit of an open window, it, it wasn't even close. So he struggled right out of the gate. And as it built and as the game went on, despite the score being 13-6 for a long period of time, that tells you it's a close game. He wasn't close. So I, I always start with the product on the field. The offensive line wasn't wasn't very good. Um, that was plan B. I, I, I failed to comprehend in a cohesive planning type way after one quarter, Penn State was averaging seven yards per rush. There were some big holes there, too. We saw it. You saw it, Jimmy. There was some movement in this offense in the running game through 15 minutes of football. And then it just never kind of became relevant over the final three quarters. And that is that is coaching, right? That is pure coaching, to me, that's that's a pure lack of recognition or an understanding of what is available and what is going on that day. And I I just think they were reactive. Penn State's their coaching, uh, Mike Yurcich and James Franklin and, and the offensive coaching staff, they weren't proactive with a plan. They were reactive to the situation. And you have to be proactive with a plan. Ohio State had a plan. Get the ball to Marvin Harrison. Don't put too much pressure on the quarterback and just kind of manage the game. It was crystal clear in the first quarter that that was their plan. They would have thrown to Marvin Harrison 25 times if they had to. The completions were relevant, but they were also relevant. They were going, that was their plan. That was what they decided to do. And that's what they were going to stick to. There wasn't anything identifiable in that with Penn State's offense, even from the beginning. So, uh, 
the responsibility, it starts with me with the players on the field, but I also think they were handicapped big time in this matchup and on this big stage by what was brought to the table from to them from the sidelines. Andy, many of us as fans, we uh, tend to make our evaluation without understanding the rest of the story. You know, it's it's easy to say, oh, Nick Singleton back-to-back runs for, I think, total 35 yards, those back-to-back runs. So now what next is that how much of it is based on what Ohio State is doing in Ohio State saying, hey, we're not going to let that happen anymore. Or maybe on those two plays, they made a mistake defensively that you wouldn't see again. So how much of it is what the defense is doing to them and yeah. what could Penn State have done based on what was going on with the Ohio State defense? Yeah, that's a good question, Jimmy, because Ohio State clearly they made some they made some changes in the they made some changes going along. They basically after they got gashed kind of early in the run game, they just committed and loaded up the box. They they put one-on-one coverage on the outside. They didn't disguise anything. Nothing was real exotic. They they were basically like, you know, we're going to make your quarterback function and beat us. And it that was what was on the offer, but I thought the difference was Penn State wasn't committed to what had been working, and they didn't make Ohio State take away the run game. They just sort of said, well, this is what they're giving us, and now we're going to be a mishmash of we don't know what we're really doing and we're going to be reactive, and we're just going to take what's given us and try and hope more than anything else that we start to function better on the field. And they, they weren't committed. That's why I go back to they weren't committed to what was working early because Ohio State made the adjustments to take it away and try and take it away and give Penn State something else on the offering. Penn State took it without any commitment to what had already been working. So it was very difficult to watch um, from a strategic and coaching stamp- standpoint for me because – it was it was all about pressure. The more pressure Ohio State put on Penn State's offense, the more Penn State's offense put pressure on itself and sort of took the bait. And they just became out of sync and dysfunctional in that process, and that becomes really difficult to watch, Jimmy. My takeaway, Andy, is that the coaching staff did nothing to make things easy for Drew Aller. You know, you do that run-run pass punt where you're in a third down situation a third and long and yes I'm gonna go with my broken record thing where you know it's easiest to throw the ball on first down it never seemed to me that they said you know what let's just give him an easy pass let's get we didn't see the things that we had seen before those quick wide receiver screens that in essence were a replacement for a running game if running isn't going well if you get yourself in position on first down to pick up five or six yards, now you set yourself up to run the ball on second and third down. Maybe I'm going the wrong direction, but there just never seemed to be a a plan. It was Ohio State had their plan. Penn State did not have their plan. Yeah, there was a 
I don't disagree with you, Jimmy. There was a little bit of that. I think there were some, there were some plays called early that were available for Drew. There were several where you would say nine out of ten times he'll complete the pass uh, type throws that were not difficult. They were not stretches. They were pretty simple, like get your quarterback one for one, two for two, two for three, three for four, that kind of thing. <clears throat> they were just bad throws, Jimmy. They were just simply not executed. That's all I can say is not only were they not executed, they weren't really close. The little tight end pass over the middle, it wasn't going to get a first down, but complete the pass. It was, you know, way up over the shoulder behind him. So it was it was more the quarterback simply just not even being close more than anything else. All right, Andy, that's it for quarter number one. We'll pick up the conversation when we get back for quarter two. Stay tuned. Hey, Penn State fans, here is your chance to take something off your bucket list. That's right, Go PSU RV is offering a full range of RV setups ready for a weekend of great tailgating at their Lion's Den, which is the closest single-game RV overnight lot to Beaver Stadium. You can arrive anytime Friday afternoon. Stay until Sunday morning, avoiding all that traffic. Don't miss this unique opportunity. Go online to gopsurv.com and reserve your RV today. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. Are you ready to elevate your game day experience? Then it's time for turnkey tailgating with Revel XP. You get to tailgate close to Beaver Stadium with our exclusive area next to the soccer field. Revel XP will provide the tent, the chairs, table, even the cooler and ice. We even partner with local food and beverage providers to cater your tailgate event. As someone has enjoyed tailgating with Revel XP, I know you're going to love it. Go to RevelXP.com for more info. It's quarter number two on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It is quarter number two. He's Andy. I'm Jim. We're doing our autopsy on that Penn State-Ohio State game, Andy. And... I want to talk now a little bit moving forward from it. Penn State was, what, 5-0, 6-0 going into this game, racking up points, crushing teams. So going into Indiana, and you had asked me how much we're going to talk about Indiana, and I said uh, very little because no one really cares because 
doesn't matter if we see that same game we've seen the first half of the year. Penn State wins big. Nobody cares. How they get there, which is the way you put it, is what counts. So now, if you're James Franklin, if you're Mike Yursich, what does this look like going forward? You obviously have to get a more confident Drew Aller. And if he plays really well, we're all going to say, well, that's at home anyway. But I'm looking more for the direction. And I'll give you two, two things to look at, and maybe they could accomplish both. Last week against Ohio State, we didn't see that quarterback tush-push on third and one. We never saw the T formation. These are things that are, you know, grinded out football. We didn't see that. The other thing, which has been the conversation all year, we haven't seen the explosive plays. We haven't seen them throwing deep over the top. So now, as both an observer of this team or the coaching staff, what is it you're going to try to accomplish against Indiana? So first of all, Indiana is probably the worst team, if not the worst team in the Big Ten. So you have opportunity here. The It starts with your young quarterback, right? Like he has never looked like the moment was too big for him. He's kind of always looked prepared and in control. And, you know, that went sideways and it really shook him, right? In the Ohio State game on a bigger stage, right? The stakes go up, right? And when the stakes went up, I'm not saying he totally isn't, doesn't have the tools to perform on that stage. It just, he wasn't ready for it in, in terms of like his own game. He wasn't ready for that big stage yet. And that's not, that's not inherently unexpected a little bit, Jimmy, but at the level of sort of abject, just abjectly bad that he was, that was a surprise. So he obviously is going to enter this game with a confidence problem, not confidence in himself, but confidence in that he can execute this offense. But I don't think he knows what this offense is. So I think it for offensively for Penn State in this game, it matters how they win this football game and what they do offensively and how they establish identity. You asked me what, you know, what do the offensive coordinator and head coach sort of do this week? My thought, if I, you know, I'm not a head coach, but I want to know what the players think and get feedback from them and then try and identify with them what we want to accomplish as our identity. And no matter which way this game, the Indiana game goes, you stick to that. You don't put too many eggs in the basket. You try and start from sort of scratch, but not the beginning, where you're trying to establish what we are and who we and what we are good at and what we want to be as an offense. And in that process, you have to find a way to get Drew Aller football confidence, not confidence in himself and his skills, football confidence in the ability to command this offense. He doesn't have it. He clearly doesn't have it. He was working through it in some of the other games, but it was really easy to a degree. And it's going to be really easy kind of this week, 
but it should be different in that we're not trying to help the quarterback. We're trying to help establish an identity. That's a really important component for this week because it was they were in such shambles after the Ohio after what happened at Ohio State that you can't just pick up and say, well, you know, we're just going to go back and you know do what was successful against lesser opponents. That's not going to get you where you need to be in preparation for the Michigan game, which we all know it's the lens through which Penn State is measured, Michigan and Ohio State. How are we going to prepare ourselves for Michigan? And it starts with Indiana offensively. That's the best I got for you, Jimmy. (laughs) Well, then, you know, what is the identity of this team? And we had a situation. I'm going to grasp for a silver lining to this game, which is they went through six games winning, routing their opponents. They were much better. And when they were questioned on the big plays, either passing or running the ball, it was, hey, nothing to see here. We're fine. This is who we are. This is our identity. We're putting up 40 points a game. We're winning. We're driving the ball down the field until – they meet Ohio State, and that doesn't work. So it's, do you think they were shook up enough by this game against Ohio State to say, you know what, we need to make some fundamental changes here? Um, I don't think you can make fundamental changes. I think you need to hone in on what your what your sort of assets are. What are your biggest assets and what are your liabilities? They've been trying to sort of make it sort of this balanced, shiny, happy people thing. And I don't think your wide receivers can be viewed as an asset. They just aren't. You can't view your wide receivers as an asset. So therefore, that's going to limit your quarterback. You have to cover that up. Whatever Whatever it takes, whatever you have to do to sort of recognize that and cover it up. That doesn't mean you're not going to throw to wide receivers and stuff. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about recognizing what your strengths and weaknesses are. I think the offensive line can run block, but they sort of they they haven't been given an opportunity to be a real beast in the running game. I, I think they're I think they're a short passing inside the box offense that can be strong but yet explosive. And I don't mean explosive down the field. I mean explosive in we gotcha. That kind of thing. In other words, you have two star running backs. Use them. You have two star tight ends. Use them. You do not have a star wide receiver. Hide them. You're not going to completely go away from them, but figure out how you make an offense where you're trying to hide them instead of accentuate them. Because by my estimation, the way they threw the ball against Ohio State They thought their wide receivers could match up well and that they were going to be able to be game changers. That was truly not the case. So that is how I think you can do it going forward. You have to identify what is your weaknesses and, and ride them and recognize them and try and, you know, disguise them and use them to your advantage, not try and make them something that they are. Okay, I want to hit on something that gets talked about a lot since this game. And this is, we know James Franklin, one in 10 or whatever against Ohio State. And it's what I've heard over and over again is the comments, James Franklin can't coach in a big game. We've been hearing that a lot. 
we've been hearing things like, how come we keep hearing the threat of putting Bo Prabula in? If there was ever a time with all these struggles, we didn't see that. We've seen success with the T formation. We didn't see that. Is this James Franklin overthinking things in a big game? Is it just Ohio State is just better than Penn State over the years? What is your take for every? I mean, Andy, it's been crazy. We've even been hearing the, you know, it's time to replace James Franklin because he hit his ceiling. Give right. me your take on James Franklin in big games. So I think he becomes, I think he becomes more of a reactive coach than a proactive coach in big games. And the pressure is built, right? He keeps losing to Ohio State. Michigan's better. You know, big games are not something they've been massively successful at. Um, on the biggest stages against top 10 teams, I think his record's 1-15 in 15 or something like that, Jimmy, against, you know, fellow against teams ranked inside the top 10. And that's, that is revealing. I think he, his coaching in those kind of games sort of becomes reactive. And in a reactive, sometimes they, they kind of play a little bit not to lose. But, you know, in this one, this game, if you're going to talk about your number two quarterback and you're going to practice it and you're going to put it in and you're going to have it, which I'm talking about Bo Prabula, second, third series of that third quarter just screamed for give the kid a break, put your second quarterback in. Ohio State kind of knows what's coming. Who cares? We have practiced this. I have committed to this. I have talked about this. I have said it's a, you know, something that we have in our arsenal that we want to use, the situation right there screamed for it, and that's the reactive thing. It's like the score was 13-6. to six. I'm not saying Bo Prabula comes in and wins the game, but if you're proactive and, and sort of have a plan and sticking with what you feel your, your, your team does well and understanding what you can and can't do, you're like, all right, he needs – he just needed a break. I mean – more than anything, Drew Aller needed a series off in the third quarter, right? I, I'm sure you won't disagree with that. It's just like, come on, give the kid a breather. Let him stand over there for at least one series. Why not two? Let him just stand over there and take a breath and look at the game from a different perspective because his perspective under center, it was terrifying to him. It made sense. He was petrified to perform out there. It just happens to athletes like that at times. Doesn't mean he can't bounce back, and I think he will. But, I mean, that scream for that. And I'm like, why don't you go to that? Go to it. It's You've talked about it. You have it. He's shown it. That's the time to use it, and they didn't. It was, uh, it was stunning to me. And, Andy, they <laughs> – we're we're laughing here because one of the things we, we on recording the show, Andy will when he gets emotional, he starts slamming his desk that he's at, and I'm like, Andy, that we all hear that. So, so Andy was getting excited, which means he was back to pounding the desk. And I'm with you though on the Bo Prabola thing. This was a case Drew Aller really didn't have it, I mean, more importantly, Penn State's offense didn't have it. Right when you're. You know, at what point you're 0 for 5, you're 0 for 10, you're 0 for 12 on third downs. This isn't working. Stop. Try something else. Yep. And Bo Prabula was that something else. And it wasn't going to be more of the same. We know the offense is different with Bo Prabula. 
How about if we just give Ohio State something different to look at? All right, Andy, that's it, quarter two. Quarter three, it's your turn. We're going to ask Andy with your questions. Hey, Penn State fans, here is your chance to take something off your bucket list. That's right, Go PSU RV is offering a full range of RV setups ready for a weekend of great tailgating at their Lion's Den, which is the closest single-game RV overnight lot to Beaver Stadium. You can arrive anytime Friday afternoon. Stay until Sunday morning, avoiding all that traffic. Don't miss this unique opportunity. Go online to gopsurv.com and reserve your RV today. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new Coffee Barbecue Dry Rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. Are you ready to elevate your game day experience? Then it's time for turnkey tailgating with Revel XP. You get to tailgate close to Beaver Stadium with our exclusive area next to the soccer field. Revel XP will provide the tent, the chairs, table, even the cooler and ice. We even partner with local food and beverage providers to cater your tailgate event. As someone has enjoyed tailgating with Revel XP, I know you're going to love it. Go to RevelXP.com for more info. Let's get back to the action on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It is quarter number three. You all know what that means. It's time to ask Andy. This is where we take your questions. Andy gives us the answer at the end of the segment. He'll pick out the best question who will get a prize pack from 409tailgateclub.com. And if you want to send the question to Andy, very easy. Just download our app, Keystone Sports. You'll see the Ask Andy and Ask T. Frank Frank button. Push that and you'll be on your way. Andy, in a major surprise, we got a bunch of questions this week after I, literally the game ended and they started pouring in. So let, let's get to them. Let's sure. start with, with Mark in Holly Springs, North Carolina. Seems like they dropped the T formation. Looking back, they were guaranteed to pick up at least three yards every time they ran it. It's been a long time since we've seen it. Your thoughts, Andy? One of many things that was surprisingly absent from their arsenal in the Ohio State game, that's that's a good observation, Mark. Um, There was like a third and one call in the, I think it was early in the second quarter, and they threw a little slant pass. It was a good call. Um, 
I like the play call. Their guy tipped it, and the pass was incomplete. It got knocked down. It it, it was going to work. It was a little crossing route thing, and it didn't work. And that, to me, was the moment where I was like, what the hell are they doing? Right? Like, that was my, like, what what is, what are you doing here? Um, what, what are you trying to accomplish here? Your quarterback's struggling, you know, you, I, they were around midfield, maybe just into Ohio State territory. And I was thinking, this is four down territory, third and one. This is four down territory at this point in the football game. And they threw it on third down, sucked the momentum out of them. No way in God's creation, they get a yard on fourth down. I understand why they didn't go for it and, and short punted, but it was just one of many things that was like, where is, you know, where are the running backs catching the ball, you know, out of the backfield? Where are, you know, the short wide receiver screens to get you two, three, four yards and they're really kind of running plays? Where is all of the, where's the T formation? You know, where's the two back set where you're, you know, consistently running the ball, you know, three, four out of every five plays? They're all legitimate questions, but they never went to it. And it's, is it a red zone package for them only or goal line situation? Maybe, but it works pretty well. It should be, I would think it would be expanded to all over the field type thing. Um, When you need, you know, one or two yards, it works. They know what's coming. The offensive line knows what's coming. They kind of like that kind of stuff. Hey, guess what guys across from us, you know, what's coming. We're going to block you better on it because we're good at this. They never unleashed it. And Andy, you know, I love the T formation. And part of it is I actually think I understand that with the help we had as a guest, Shane from For the Bloggy, where he really examined like every play last year where they ran the T formation. What I really liked about it is the development of it. It went from a quarterback sneak to the running backs till they shifted out of it depending on as the defense progressed in their reaction to it, it was the offensive side, Mike Yersich taking charge. He was determining their fate, and I was just stunned that it wasn't used more. Okay, we're going next to our buddy Tim in Port Matilda. Tim is famous for his long questions as I'm holding the question up for Andy. Tim, I'm sorry, but I'm going to reduce it real quick to this. Tim thinks uh, James Franklin has overdone it with his 1-0 mantra, fine against the bad teams. But in short, he believes that philosophy is why they hit a ceiling when it comes to the big games. He thinks big games need to be treated different than other games. It's not, oh, everything's the same, 1-0. Do you think that's something that a mental thing that uh, James Franklin needs to adjust? That's an interesting, uh, that's an interesting mindset. Big games are big games for a reason. They're the same in a little bit, Tim, I'm going to agree with you a little bit. They're the same in your preparation. In other words, you know, Sunday through Thursday are routine. They're the same. Your game plan. If you have one, uh, that's just a joke. You, your your planning and your installation are kind of they'll be different depending on the opponent, 
but your cadence and rhythm are the same. But from the time you either go to the hotel for a home game or you get on the plane to go to a road game, big games are different. They just are. You know, there is some merit to that. Like, okay, yeah, it's Ohio State. Sunday through Thursday, it's the same. But, you know, when we get ready to play, we're going to go through the same routine, but the stakes are not the same. And perhaps, you know, James knows that. His performance doesn't say that he knows that. Right, Jimmy? His record Uh, doesn't say that. Right? Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, and he knows it. We know that. You know, he knows Ohio State's different than Indiana, but his performance is very different of his team. And here's the thing, Andy, also. I've been critical of James Franklin as being formulaic or he has a system and this is what we stick to no matter what as opposed to understanding the feel for his team. And I'll use a small example. Drew Aller. Drew has struggled on the road prior to this game. So now, biggest game on the road, instead of saying, oh, we'll just do everything the same, was he able to say, you know what? I have a sense of my quarterback. He maybe needs something different this week. I don't know if this is the answer, but... Maybe it's you bring Mike Yursich out of the press box to the sideline because, you know, someone needs to be there to settle him down and he could be more help. I don't know if that would be the answer, but that's the type of thing that you can't treat this game the same as every other game. If Aller is struggling on the road and it's Illinois, you're still going to win. But if he has struggles on the road against Ohio State, you're going to lose. So maybe you need to do something a little different. Real quick, Andy, go ahead. Drew Aller threw the ball, what, 30? Well, I think it was 33 times, however many pass attempts. I think it was 42, actually. but 42, right. <laughs> they put the game in, They put this football game in his hands because it was 13-6 forever, Jimmy. That doesn't scream that they need to throw it 42 times. Well, just, just remember, uh, I think 20 of those passes came in the fourth quarter when – you know, they were playing as if they were down four touchdowns. Okay, let's uh, let's go to Steve in Richmond, originally from Berwick, by the way. My gut tells me there's something going on between some of the big talent in the backfield, and it's showing up on the field. Maybe it's a question of not getting enough touches, frustrated with the play calling, frustrated with the offensive line protection and blocking. Do you think that's a possibility? And, you know, I'll phrase it a little different. You, you know, you're Nick Singleton, you're Katron Allen, biggest game of the year, and you're each getting nine carries. And if you're Nick Singleton, that's after you had perhaps the two biggest – you had the two biggest runs and maybe look like you were setting something up there. Are you are you frustrated if you're those guys? Yeah, I, I think that's a good observation, Steve. I don't think it's a – I don't think there's a wedge between Katron and Nick. That it doesn't it doesn't appear or feel like that. I think both of them individually are frustrated on different levels for some similar reasons, some little different reasons. But you're exactly right. Like if you're Nick Singleton and you come out and do that, what you did in the first quarter, and you know, he came within a whisker of breaking the one, made some good moves in the open field. You come out and do that in the first quarter, you expect to see the ball. Right? Like, I'm ready. Give me the ball. 
Let's go. Feed me. Let's go. And it was, it went the other direction. Like that's, and I'm sure they're frustrated at like, look, you're looking for something from us. I gave it to you and you didn't, you didn't go to me. You didn't call my number. I, 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 I think that's a valid point. I don't think it's between the two running backs. I don't think Katron and Nick have a problem with each other and their workload. I, I think their workload's being managed just fine and how they're being used. It's that they're not using them to the fullest of what their potential is probably. And I mean, part of it could be, you know, you got to produce, right? You have to produce. Show us that you're going to produce. They've been shaky on the production front to a degree, but in a big game after one quarter, it's like Nick Singleton needs the ball more. That's all I took away. And Andy, these are weapons, and I think it's also up to the coaching staff to find creative ways to use them. They obviously didn't stop knowing how to run the ball. All right, Dave in State College says, if Penn State would have been able to keep Marvin Harrison Jr. as an in-state commitment, do you think we would have been able to beat Ohio State in either of the last two years having the best wide receiver in college football? I never really think they had a chance with Marvin Harrison Jr. Uh, That's the first off. Um, Don't forget the starting quarterback from Ohio State also went to St. Joe's Prep. Kyle McCord. Um, but remember, he wasn't in state. He was raised in New Jersey, not Pennsylvania. But anyway, go ahead. Yeah, I. He was the best player on the field that day. Um, I I would counter and argue that, you know, they have two really good running backs, Penn State, that could be perform at a similar level given an opportunity. Well, and. The other point, too, on Andy, on recruiting, you're not guaranteed to get every in-state guy. Penn right. State has pulled some, you know, talent out of Ohio, their last two quarterbacks, and perhaps their next really good one is also an Ohio guy. And the other thing on the wide receiver front, uh, for example, Julian Fleming was much more highly rated than Marvin Harrison has a yep. clo- had a much closer connection to Penn State, was geographically much closer, but he didn't turn into the best wide receiver in the country the way Marvin Harrison did. So I think at the time people were crying more about losing Julian Fleming. Andy, we need a winner. Yeah, I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go it's I'm gonna go with Mark in Holly Springs, North Carolina. I just thought it was a a simple but really good question. All right. Very good. We'll be getting word out to you. But now, as we go into fourth quarter, we have Sean Golden. He's going to make his picks for the weekend. You don't want to miss that. Stay tuned. Hey, Penn State fans, here is your chance to take something off your bucket list. That's right. Go PSU RV is offering a full range of RV setups ready for a weekend of great tailgating at their Lion's Den which is the closest single-game RV overnight lot to Beaver Stadium. You can arrive anytime Friday afternoon. Stay until Sunday morning, avoiding all that traffic. Don't miss this unique opportunity. Go online to gopsurv.com and reserve your RV today. Hey, guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. 
Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. Are you ready to elevate your game day experience? Then it's time for turnkey tailgating with Revel XP. You get to tailgate close to Beaver Stadium with our exclusive area next to the soccer field. Revel XP will provide the tent, the chairs, table, even the cooler and ice. We even partner with local food and beverage providers to cater your tailgate event. As someone has enjoyed tailgating with Revel XP, I know you're going to love it. Go to RevelXP.com for more info. We headed to the home stretch in quarter number four on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It is time for Sean's take with Sean Gold. Sean comes in, gives us his take on the upcoming weekend of college football. Sean, a couple interesting games, although I will mention you and I, we've been riding Penn State. Didn't end well last week. We're just flushing last weekend away then. I don't even want to talk about anything college football from last weekend. Because of that, let's look ahead. Let's get started with those Nittany Lions, though. Indiana is at Penn State. It's a 32-point spread. Huge spread. And Sean... In a lot of these games, when making picks, I kind of finalized my pick by just saying, you know what, hey, this team's just playing better than that team. And that's where I had. However, after what Penn State went through, I'm I'm fearful that they will drag last weekend forward. I don't think they're going to lose to Indiana. But I'm wondering if last week will slow them down this week. That is what makes this game super, super difficult. If this game was last week instead of Ohio State, I think it would be very easy to say Penn State's going to continue blowing everybody out and we're going to ride that train. So the big question this week is how are you going to respond if you're Penn State? That game was not ideal, but they're still in a great spot. They're the number 10 team in the country still, despite having that loss. So not all hope is lost just because you've lost to a very, very good Ohio State team, but what are you going to do this week to set up the rest of your season? The concern here is that that loss will be too big of an impact on team morale. You're going to come out slow and sluggish. Like I said, Penn State's still the number 10 team in the country. They're coming back home. I think it's a great chance to get the taste out of your mouth and build some momentum for the rest of the season. So I may be being a little too optimistic here, but I think Penn State can cover the spread. We've seen them cover every other spread so far this season. I know there's nothing that this team and James Franklin would like more than to go and get a massive victory at home to turn the page. I think you're right. And I believe also until that game last week, 
Penn State was, hey, nothing to see here on offense. Everything's good. We're fine. No need to try anything new. Don't need to force the ball down the field. I think last weekend was that rude awakening for them that said, you know what? It's not just about beating Indiana. It's about creating an offense that's capable of beating Michigan in a few weeks. And if they continue to do what they've been doing, they're going to continue to get those same results, which is routing the bad teams and not necessarily beating the good teams. I know no matter what they do this week, it won't satisfy the fan base. But as a team, I think psychologically they need that too. So I think I'm with, I think, I think I'm with you on the Nittany Lions. Let's uh, let's move on to Oklahoma at Kansas. I would have normally rode that uh, Oklahoma train, you know, with it's a 10-point spread. Oklahoma, obviously, a 10-point favorite over Kansas. But Oklahoma just escaped Central Florida last week, and it's not a good Central Florida team. No, that was very, very disappointing and obviously cost me a game on my record last week. I'm sure Oklahoma saw their entire season flash before their eyes. 31 to 29 to UCF is not what anybody was expecting. They came very, very close to putting that huge Texas win to waste. Because like I said last week, the college football playoffs are sitting on a silver platter for Oklahoma, and they almost just tripped and fell and let that plate shatter. So this week, I think they're going to be a little more alert. I think they're going to realize the work's not done just because you beat Texas on the biggest stage. And they do know, too, that Kansas is no pushover. UCF, I understand underestimating them because you thought that was going to be just a walk in the park. Kansas is no walk in the park. They've had great games this year. They're a legitimate team. They've been ranked before this season. And I think Oklahoma is going to realize that and know if they don't come out with their A game, their season this time will slip away from them and the college football playoffs hopes will be kissed goodbye. So I'm big on Oklahoma still. I think they're going to rebound and I'll take them with the spread. I think they'll be refocused, come into play, bring the energy and handle business this week. I'm definitely with you on that one also. And I think this is a, you had that huge win against Texas, UCF, all of a sudden, well, you know, just you can mail it in is probably the way they're thinking. They found out better. I think now this is the exact opposite. This is the bounce back. We're disappointed in how we played last week. Fortunately, got the win. We're going to roll this week. I think that's the mindset for Oklahoma, so I'm with you on that. Um, let's go to the uh, Southeast Conference now. Biggest game is Georgia at Florida. You would have hoped that this would have been you know, two powers going at it. Obviously, Georgia is still there. Florida... I'm not sure what to make of them, Sean. I'm really not. They are more than a two-touchdown underdog here. Florida getting 14.5 points at home. Not sure what to make of that. It is a really difficult game, and I'd like to start by saying I think it's kind of funny. This is the first time all year that we've actually talked about the number one team in the country, Georgia. I don't think we've had them on any of our slates before, and a lot of that was because They really haven't played anybody. The Auburn game was a big game, and Georgia almost ended up losing that game. But this is really the first, you know, premier matchup of the season. And like you said, Florida is a very hard team to read. Some weeks they come out and play very good football, and you think, hey, this is a team that's good enough to be one of the best in the country. 
And then other weeks, they lay an egg and completely forget to show up to the game. So we haven't seen from Georgia that vaunted defense that they've had the past couple of years. And I've said this before, they don't really look like a number one team in the country to me. They're there by default, but I think you and I, last week, we both think Michigan's probably a better overall team than Georgia, but Georgia hasn't done anything to give up the number one spot. So what I think is going to happen this week is that there's finally a big stage for Georgia to come in. And they know that they're on upset alert this week. They know there's going to be a lot of people picking the Florida Gators at home to beat Georgia. And I think when the lights shine brightest, the the Georgia Bulldogs are going to come out and put on a show and say, hey, look, we're the number one team in the country for a reason, and we're looking to stay there. So I'm not the biggest fan of Georgia this year, but I do think they will respond to the environment going to Gainesville and get a big-time win over Florida. I get that. I just don't know if Florida, if this is their season, you know, this game, they've got them at home. Georgia has looked beatable through this season, and the the other thing is Brock Bowers is out. So that's a factor there, too. I'm not sure on that one, so I'm going to let that one go. (laughs) That's my my take. I'm I'm not going to touch that game. All right, let's go to the West Coast. And, you know, it's interesting. It seems like we always do go out to the Pac-12 because there's so many good teams out there that you get a premier game. An interesting one with Oregon at Utah. Utah is a six and a half point dog at home. And early on, it was, they were all about defense. And I just, my first instinct was, How's Utah going to keep up with that Oregon offense? You know, can they could they put enough points on the board? But I noticed last two weeks, Utah has put up 34 points each of the last two weeks. So this is an interesting one. I'm curious how you see that one. This is another game that's very difficult to read because obviously Utah's coming off against that big win against USC. But at this point, we also understand that Utah is USC's kryptonite. That's a team that USC just cannot figure out. So is Utah really that good? Or did they just beat a team whose number that they have on lockdown? For Oregon, they're playing really well. They came so close to beating Washington. And I think if they had beaten Washington in that game, which missed field goal would have probably put them over the edge in that game, we'd be talking about Oregon in a different light and saying, hey, their world's better than Utah is. So With that being said, though, Utah's defense we know is very, very good. I'm still questioning their offense. Is their offense improving or is USC's defense that bad that they made them look very good? So Utah is a great team, and I like the Utes a lot this year. I'm not expecting the same results from the USC game to translate against these Oregon Ducks. I think Oregon's out to prove something. They have that one loss. I think their college football playoff good, and I think they believe that they deserve to be in the college football playoffs, and the only way they're going to get there is if they go the rest of the way undefeated. So I think Utah may just be a bump in the road for Oregon this week. And I don't think Oregon's going to go blow them out. But I do think Oregon will be able to handle business and remind us all that, hey, Oregon is really one of the best teams in the country still. And it's one of those that six and a half point spread, not seven, six and a half. That one more point, I I think, makes a big difference in this one. Uh, I... Maybe it's that I kind of like Utah after Penn State played them in the Rose Bowl. I think Utah's that kind of team. It's hard to dislike them. And especially when they're capable of beating a USC the way they did. 
they're an easy team to root for. And I'm wondering if at home, if they have a shot at Oregon. We'll, we'll see on that one. Finally, the last game. And you just cannot leave those Colorado Buffaloes alone, can you? Uh, Coach... No, I'm excited. I get to talk about Colorado again. It's been a couple weeks. <laughs> it's, it's Coach Prime. Colorado at UCLA. I was a little surprised at how big this number is. UCLA is favored by 17 points. This one, I, I, I got to tell you, I was surprised that number was that big, Sean. Were you? Yes and no. We know that UCLA's defense is very, very good. And we know how that Colorado-Stanford game ended with a lot of disappointment for Colorado. So that taste is kind of still the last picture that we've seen of Colorado since they went into a bye week after that. And meanwhile, UCLA, is a, they're in the midst of a very good season. Their only two losses are to Utah and Oregon State, two top 15 teams in the country. So despite UCLA having two losses, they're in contention for one of the strongest two-loss teams in the nation right now because of who they've lost to. So when looking back at Colorado, I think the bye week will have been very good for them. I think they needed a reset. The hype got to simmer down a little bit, especially after a disappointing loss. And I think Deion Sanders will have challenged his team during this week off because he left his last press conference saying people need to make a decision about how much they care about this game and how much it means to them. And he said, I'm living this game and I need my players to do that. So I think this week they probably worked on that, on how important this game is to these players. So I think Colorado's going to be ready. I would also like to mention this game environment is going to be crazy. The Rose Bowl actually sold out for this. That is not a common theme for the Rose Bowl. So 60,000 plus people are going to be at this game to not just watch UCLA, but more importantly, to watch Colorado. Even the UCLA fans want to see Colorado play. So the hype is going to be there. And UCLA is definitely a better team with, with how their defense is played. But I do think this game is going to be closer than expected. And I'm, I'm with you. I thought this point spread was a little too much. I was expecting maybe 10 and a half, 11 and a half points. Um, but I think Colorado will be able to keep it close, give UCLA a run for their money. I do think UCLA should probably win this game at home, but I wouldn't count Colorado out on this. Very good. All right. Thank you very much, Sean, for the picks. That's it for our show. Thank you all for listening. Make sure you join us next time on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Hey, Penn State fans, here is your chance to take something off your bucket list. That's right, Go PSU RV is offering a full range of RV setups ready for a weekend of great tailgating at their Lion's Den, which is the closest single-game RV overnight lot to Beaver Stadium. You can arrive anytime Friday afternoon. Stay until Sunday morning, avoiding all that traffic. Don't miss this unique opportunity. Go online to gopsurv.com and reserve your RV today. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new Coffee Barbecue Dry Rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com.
TrustStateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. Are you ready to elevate your game day experience? Then it's time for turnkey tailgating with Revel XP. You get to tailgate close to Beaver Stadium with our exclusive area next to the soccer field. Revel XP will provide the tent, the chairs, table, even the cooler and ice. We even partner with local food and beverage providers to cater your tailgate event. As someone has enjoyed tailgating with Revel XP, I know you're going to love it. Go to revelxp.com for more info.